welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I have Ron Butler. Ron is the founder of Butler Mortgages and a well-known pundit in the mortgage space in Canada. And for those of you who follow him on Twitter, probably one of the best followers you're ever going to have in this country. And I brought him on the show today to talk about the upcoming, let's call it a perfect storm of mortgage renewals that are coming and the interest rate situation and how things are going to impact that and what's happening with that and how you should start thinking about it now. And with that, here's my interview with Ron. Ron, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, always a pleasure. So Ron Butler, tell us a little about yourself. Well, I'm just an ancient mortgage broker, you know, past retirement age, don't know what else to do, but mostly just fool around in social media these days. But still, we're I'm actively in the business. So for 29 years, it'll be 29 years in the spring. So long, long time. And uh, seen a lot of mortgages, not just based on we do higher level of volume than the average mortgage broker by a factor of about 10 or 20. So yeah, so we see a lot. And uh, been doing it for a long, long time. Well done. All right. So I brought you on the show because everyone's favorite topic of interest is interest rates these days. And I look forward to the day where the Bank of Canada decision is not the news that leads off the local news because that is driving me insane. So let's talk about what has happened in interest rates in the last couple of years uh, that sets up the stage for what we're dealing with now. So I'm sure most people have an idea, but let, let's, let's let you summarize. Sure. And you're right. There's pro we are probably at a moment in time in Canada where more people know the name of the Bank of Canada governor than has ever happened for the entire history of the Bank of Canada. And, and that, that you're right, that is an aberrant thing. It doesn't even make a lot of sense. Uh, hopefully, if everything's working correctly, the Bank of Canada is something that most of us don't know anything about. But that's not the case. So if we just go back in time, there was uh, something called the World Financial Crisis in 2008. And at that moment in time, central banks all over the world dropped rates uh, significantly to try to manage the financial crisis that occurred as a result of the United States having billions and billions of dollars worth of fraudulent mortgages and bad securities to do, bad, bad fixed income securities to do with mortgages. So that, that was a problem that had to be managed. It spilled over to all parts of the world, even though it was absolutely local, the mortgage problem was local only to the United States, but that spilled all over the world, saw it in Europe, saw it in Asia in a tiny way, saw it in Canada. But in Canada, because we didn't have any of the actual mortgage problems that the United States had, it was a serious moment. There was contraction of our economy briefly, but essentially at the end of 16 months, it was over. Uh, it continued in the United States for a number of years. Millions, literally millions of people lost their homes. And it was a very impactful event in the United States. And, and it's really just gotten over it in the last five years. So what happened then? We dropped Central Bank, Bank of Canada, dropped interest rates to a very low point with the expectation that it was going to rise again once we were outside of the emergency, the emergency of the world financial crisis. Well, somehow the emergency came and went and the rates did not return to their historic levels. We went through what some people refer to as the zero interest rate period, a point in time when interest rates at the Bank of Canada level were close to inflation. 
So if you could get yourself a, a, a some kind of dead instrument that pretty accurately mirrored that situation, you were only paying a couple of percent or a percent and a half over the rate of inflation, which quite frankly, as you know, as a financial advisor, is highly unusual. Normally, there is always a reasonable premium for people to borrow money. It shouldn't, because at a certain point, at the point that inflation and your interest rate is the same, the money's free. So yeah. you should use as much of it as you possibly can. So unusually, we saw interest rates continue at a very low point for a long period of time, going on nearly a decade. They had just started their upward trend. Everybody had come to agree, this is far too long. The zero interest rate period has gone on far too long. There is no more emergency. The economy is buoyant. House prices in 2016 and 17 went nuts. And all kind of stock markets were rolling along brilliantly. And everything that cheap debt feeds was showing its prowess. And then as it decided to raise rates in 19, 2019, we saw 2019 increases to the point where we finally got mortgage rates over 4%, just almost simultaneously in early 2020, COVID struck and interest rates went to absolute zero at the central banks. And they instituted quantitative easing, which meant that uh, government bonds also followed the central bank's rate down to nothingness. And we were selling fixed rate mortgages, five-year fixed mortgages for 1.49%, which was substantially below inflation. Uh, we observed the unmanageable leap in property values across Canada, uh, particularly in Ontario and British Columbia, to the point where at some points in 2021, house prices in Ontario were increasing 5% a month, which is completely insane. Mm -hmm. uh, and suddenly that came to an end. Uh, inflation, despite the bank again, the governor ensuring us that inflation was transitory, along with the majority of economists in the world, despite his assurance inflation was transitory, despite his insurance that rates would be low for long in 2021, uh, inflation took off. And we reached the point we are today where the Bank of Canada's rate has gone up faster on a percentage basis than in the history of the Bank of Canada. It is the steepest, most rapid climb in history. Our central bank rate at 5% today coming off the ridiculous low of a quarter of 1%. And here we are. Mortgage rates that people five years ago could never imagine. Mortgage rates in the, with a six and a seven in front of them. And nobody could dream of that uh, five years ago. Well, I'll tell you, and to, to basically build off that, the the low rate environment and what that's done to an entire generation's con like concept of what money costs is astounding to me. I mean, I still remember back when rates were closer to like 2% when free COVID, when I was getting calls from people saying, hey, you know, I went to go potentially buy a car and the rate that they wanted to charge me was insane. I'm like, what did they want to charge you? And they're like, 7%. I'm like, we need to have a conversation about what's normal and what's not, right? And again, and most people's frame of reference for interest rates tends to be the mortgage, right? But everybody yes. everybody forgets that the reason you're getting that is because it's a secured asset, right? And when you're talking about a depreciating asset like a car, it's a different story. So, so yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, in context, historically, this is not where we are today is not unusual. It's just unusual how fast we got there. 
and that causes a lot of potential breakage. So here we are. We've had free money at one point, which I kind of hope I never see again, because if I see that again, something's really, really wrong. Although I'd like to benefit from it, but nevertheless. And now we're getting back to things cost stuff again. Interest rates actually are going to come at a premium to inflation. And now there's a real cost of carry, which there should be because, like as you said, in any scenario, it's broken. So with that, we are now looking at the largest amount of mortgage debt taken on over a period of time, which happened during COVID and the big bubble because these housing prices went up. And we have a ton of renewals coming down the pipe. Can you talk to me about what's happened with people's mortgages, not the fixed ones. We know that those ones are going to face a D-Day at some point. Talk to me what happened with the variable mortgages first, and we'll talk about what's going to happen when these things renew. So the easiest descriptor is a lot of people in 2021 had variable rate mortgages at 1.45, some less, but let's just use that as an example. And today they're 6.2. So that in terms of a payment increase, if in fact your mortgage was increasing in payments, because not all of them did, even though the rate was variable, the payments stayed the same for some. But when you look at that change from uh, 1.45 to 6.2, it's shattering. I mean, uh, they were stress tested at 5.25, but obviously that we're well past the stress test. And it's just some people have sold their houses. I mean, that's reality. They just couldn't manage it anymore. They wisely sold their houses. and. It's impactful. It's impactful on people's lives, particularly on people who anything that went wrong with their income, any job loss, any change in job, any in a negative way. And it was impactful on people who, after they got a mortgage, they went out and got a car lease for $800 a month. That was also impactful on those people. So yes, a legitimate consumer pain, literal pain, and having to manage that problem. Now, as far as the renewals are concerned, as those renewals come up, and we will see more in 2025 than we're going to see in 2024. But actually, 2023 was a very low renewal year. There, it's not. It's not like a, a linear chart. I mean, it is. There's big. There's big hills and valleys in uh, mortgage renewal situations. So we are looking at a huge year, a much much bigger year next year. The biggest year is in 2025. And then it's it's still huge after 25 and 2026, but it will recede after that. And uh, yeah, every single person who, let's say you've had a mortgage for 10, 12, 13 years, you bought in 20, let's say you bought in 2010. Through that entire period, you never saw any appreciable increase in your monthly payment for that whole time. And on several occasions, you probably saw a slight reduction. So this is a major change. You're going to be looking at some kind of an increase between 25 and 40% on your mortgage. And that's what we're going to see coming starting next year. 25 to big, 40%. Big difference. Yep. And for some people who've been, it's interesting. So I want to address the, vari the variable mortgage problem we have right now with multiple banks that, as we know, so some variable mortgages, your payment goes up when the interest rate goes up. So you're eating that, but you still have the same amortization. Others don't and haven't moved and have blown well past the point where any principal is being paid. In fact, looking at the Q4 data I have in front of me, over $100 billion in mortgages are currently in negative amortization territory. Yeah, which just as simply stated is the mortgage gets bigger every yeah. month. The mortgage is bigger every month than it was before because yeah. the interest you're paying does not cover the interest you're being charged. Yep. So those people are unfortunately going to renew uh, come up for renewal with a larger, potentially a larger balance outstanding than they took out in the first place. 
Some um, of them absolutely will, yes, 100%. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think on, on both cases of mortgages, and I believe it was Ben Rabideau who told me this, contractually, if you're going to take the renewal, it snaps back to the original amortization, meaning that if you took a 25-year, when, when, when it comes up for renewal, the, the rates they're going to show you are for a 20-year amortization. And now if that number- 100% correct. You're 100% yeah. right. So that is, now you think, think it's, so let's, let's go through the, the logic here. Here's someone who started with a 25-year mortgage. You go to renewal, you're potentially at a 30-year mortgage now because basically your- Your mortgage grew. Your mortgage grew, grew. yeah. And now you got to basically come back and actually pay a rate equal to a 20-year mortgage. The payment amount, I mean, forget the, you know, the renewal because of interest payments, interest rates, the payment amount because of the principal obligations you now just has just skyrocketed. So we're talking about potentially even larger increases than that. Yeah, we're, we're potentially talking about 60, 65% increases. It's possible. Yeah. Here's the reality. The reality of life is for most of those renewing customers, their bank will allow them to return to original amortization, whether it was 25 years or 30 years without much pushback. The federal government has told the banks that that's what their expectation is. Even though you have to actually report every one of those mortgage alterations at renewal to the regulator, FISRA, you're required to, to inform them. It's crystal clear that the federal government has made it clear that that should be something that should be easily approved. Now, does that really help? Look, if your mortgage has been, your point was perfect. If your mortgage has been growing and you started at 25 years, even going back to 25 years is just going to help a tiny bit. It's not going to help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it's, it's not like housing was affordable before this started, right? Oh, no, no, you no. Know, we had, I mean, depending on what survey you saw, we were seeing like upwards of 50% of, of, of after-tax income going to mortgages, yep. right? And yep. now, I mean, this is one of the, the arguments I had with people online who seem to think that interest rates, sorry, that uh, housing prices continue to increase forever when, when meanwhile, wages were increasing at just barely around inflation. You know, sooner or later, you can't have 100% of disposable income go to, to housing, right? And this is the challenge is we're already, so a lot of people are already behind the eight ball. And even with that extension, it's still going to hurt. So the key metric to think about is that if we go back 25 years, the average house price in the GTA was roughly equal to between two and a half and three and a half times average family income. Mm -hmm. So that spiked to between nine and 11 times. This is a unfathomable increase. Yeah. Uh, to save up enough for 20% down payment in the GTA and in Greater Vancouver for the average income earner is about 25 years. So by the time you've saved up the down payment, you're ready for retirement. So it's all this ludicrous. The age of zero interest rates, of effectively ultra-low interest rates, has skewed the value of homes in a way that's going to have to change someday. And there's, there's other contributing factors. There's the fact that in a country where there is the highest immigration of any Western country that exists, and you know we're like double, but closest mm -hmm. next that's impactful on the need for shelter. We've also developed a system that makes permitting new builds phenomenally difficult. A new, new building permit in the city of Toronto is about 22 months to get approved. They get fi finally to, to, from application to putting a, a backhoe on the ground. It's not uh, for we, lack of cost and getting the approval, right? Like we, we charge a hefty sum to get these things approved, so. So if we, if we go back to, again, we go back about 25, 30 years, the input of governmental cost to the building of a house was probably somewhere just under 5%. And today it's 30%. If we look at all the levies, development fees, uh, different types of taxes, on and on. Yeah, 
we've we've reached the point where on a million dollar on a million dollar townhouse, uh, about three hundred grand is going to government on a brand new townhouse. Crazy. Yep. Oh, so crazy. Absolutely oh. crazy. So this is the situation we're in. You know, to sum it up, a lot of people are going to basically be renewing at unfortunately more money than they owe in the first place. Best they can hope for is there is to extend their amortization to twenty five these years that were depending maybe thirty or thirty maybe thirty yeah depending on the situation how much they owe. Either way, they're going to be anyone who's in a fixed rate is going to be is going to be looking at a big increase. Anyone who's at a variable rate that was not increasing with rates is going to be looking at a big increase. Absolutely. Anyone who's got a variable now is already feeling the pinch, so for them it's no different. But so that's the situation. Yeah, talk to me about what they should be thinking about now as opposed to waiting for that cliff to come, whether that mortgage, whether the renewals 12 months out, 18 months out, 24 months out, what should they be thinking about in terms of how they can prepare themselves for this or potentially do something about it now? Well, the first thing to consider is if you have a fixed rate, listen to no discussion of you doing an early renewal or blending a rate or anything like that. You're going to hold on to that ultra low fixed rate until the last day. You're not, you're not going to give up on that rate. Any anytime you blend a rate with a bank, it's to the bank's advantage. And I'm not even beating them up. I'm just telling it like it is. Okay. Uh, it is not favorable to you. It's not radically radical abuse of you, but it's not favorable to you. So you need to hold on to that ultra low fixed rate for as long as humanly possible. You should make preparation for the increase. And that's maybe where somebody like you comes in. You shouldn't necessarily be making, depending on what your financial situation is, you may need to should be making prepayments. But maybe you shouldn't. Maybe uh, depending on your tax status and the kind of rate of return you can get, maybe you should be investing the money for the day when that renewal finally comes up, and then you can apply whatever amount of money you've saved up and accumulated through investment to that point of renewal, so that you can get the principal down and you can have a you know a lower payment. So that's those are the two key considerations as far as I'm concerned. If you have a variable rate and you're going backwards on your mortgage, that is something that everybody feels psychologically uncomfortable with. And uh, the, the move there has got to be to do voluntary payments, voluntary payment increase, lump sum payments, to at least get to the point where you understand that you're not going to uh, be faced with just unmanaged. You're, no matter what the government regulatory agencies tell you or what the so-called financial consumer agency tells you, if your mortgage is growing, you're paying interest on interest. That's reality. You just are. It's a larger principle. You're paying more interest. That's just the way it works. Okay. So you should avoid that. And the only logical way to avoid a growing mortgage is through prepayment and increased payment. So, and you should do it. Yep. Fair enough. And so it's funny, uh, you know, hold on to the last minute. It's, uh, I think that's part of the reason why we're actually seeing lower volumes in, in housing transactions is anyone who's got a good rate is not about to consider moving or doing anything right now. In addition, you know, people are hoping for a recovery in prices, but it's a different story altogether. And yes, uh, we all longingly look at our American cousins and wish we had the ability to lock in our rates for 30 years like they do. <laughs> like, Can I tell you something interesting about that? Yeah, go on. And, and that, that's, this is really a, a fantastic illustration of Canadian mortgage and real estate behavior. Fantastic illustration. As much as we've heard people talk about that we should have 25 and 30 year terms by which when you get the mortgage, it, it's the same rate for 25 years or 30 years or until the house is paid or sold. We, get all, we heard a lot about of that for the last two years. The fastest growing mortgage term in Canada today is variable rate because, Canadians, because there's enough Canadians believe that the Bank of Canada will drop rates next year and yeah. all they want is the lowest possible rate. 
So as much as we give lip service to the idea that we would like to get a 25, a 10-year, a 25-year, a 30-year mortgage, we've had 10-year forever, and its utilization has never exceeded 3% of mortgages. So that tells you something. Canadians well, want low interest rates at all costs. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the entire behavioral or behavioral science piece of stated preference versus demonstrated preference. Yes, I would love to have that. But wait a sec. Oh, mm, but that mortgage is maybe 2% more than the one I can get variable. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to outsmart this. I'm going to outsmart this. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get lucky. I'm going to get lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's if you, uh, it's, I, I will say people's psychology when it comes to, when it comes to these decisions, the amount of, strain or just like pressure they'll put themselves on or the negotiating tax to get to get like 0.1% 0.01% better off like it is like they they literally they will trade off certainty for for going like okay but i can i can pay less and and just clearly a lot of people did that in the situation i mean like i will say i i did take the variable i did it a while back before everything bottomed out so i was very happy for a while i'm not happy now but i also knew that I could absorb the shock in my situation, right? And I think that's a big thing that people don't take into consideration now. It's basically, you need to take into consideration the, all right, but what if it goes wrong? Are you in a position where you need your, your price for perfection? Or are you in a situation where, okay, I'm benefiting, and maybe I'm going to use that extra breathing room to pay down the mortgage so I can get further ahead in case it actually starts to increase? Or am I in trouble? Right? All 100% so, correct. All right, so we covered actions. We covered, uh, you know, and I always say, unfortunately, I'm going to quote the old Brazilian jiu-jitsu saying of, best way to get out of position is not to get yourself in it in the first place. But if you're in the situation now, uh, you know, we covered how to handle that when it comes up. Um, you know, this is specifically around business owners, uh, this podcast. And I want to go back to that premise and talk about the specific challenges around them. Now, we know lending for business owners is a different kind of challenge than lending to just about any, any T4 employee, because apparently T4 employees never lose their jobs. But, but talk to me about why it's different, uh, how it's different, and how this may impact the renewal period we have upcoming on these things. Sure. If we look at the average self-employed person, whether they're a sole proprietorship or they're operating through a closely held corporation, the object of your tax planning is to pay less tax. So the object of your tax planning is to particularly pay less personal tax. And therefore, you would want to reduce the number that appears in box 15,000 on your notice of assessment or on your T1 general return. Okay? So to, to reduce that, accountants uh, and financial planners use a number of strategies to try to get that to the lowest points. So you pay the least tax to the federal government, legitimately pay the least tax to the federal government. This simultaneously means that you will have less income to display to a bank who would consider offering you uh, a mortgage. And the government has made damn sure, damn sure that banks pay attention to this issue. Doesn't matter, you know, you might have a million dollars of assets, you might have a million dollars of retained earnings in your company, it might have, you know, don't talk to us about that. We don't care. We only care about net taxable income. That's how we base the calculation of what you qualify for as a mortgage. And because there's only six big banks in Canada that do 85% of all financial transactions, we want to keep our masters at the federal government happy. And if they tell us that that's the metric we're going to use to decide how much of a mortgage you get, we're going to continue down that road. So yes, there is some definite impacts on self-employed people. Yep. So it's funny though, I will say this much. I, I don't think, I will preface to say that I don't think good planners worry solely about the, like, the least amount of tax possible in any given year, because oftentimes, 
that results in the worst scenario long term, right? It's really should be about a lifetime tax bill that is minimized and maximizes your net worth. And unfortunately, doing that year by year can actually be counterproductive. Most people don't get that. True, but we both know that the majority of business owners praise the accountant who can reduce personal taxation above all else. That, that's, that's just back to life. Even if it comes at the cost of Canada Pension Plan, which is actually valuable to them, and we got to have an episode next year about this as well. But in general, number of times I've had conversations with business with business owners where it's like, "Well, I'm taking dividends because it's saving me and saving me tax." I'm like, "Well, not according to integration, it's not. It's actually costing the same thing. The only savings you have is Canada Pension Plan." Wait a minute, I'm not tripping the Canada Pension Plan. And you can have a conversation about cost benefit, but it's it's uh, yeah. People listening, accountants are not magicians. Okay, they're not. There is a there is no there is no simple quick way to reduce your tax bill. There is always a compromise. And Ron just gave us one of the least looked at compromises out there, which is lower reported income, which results in a diminished capacity to borrow personally. Realize that. Okay. Just like there's potential loss of RSP room, Canada pension plan, and well, constrained lifestyle in some cases that I've seen before, which is ridiculous, but it is what it is. So excellent. All right. So we covered it quite well. I thank you for this. Any last words of advice for the listeners, Ron? Sure. Interest rates are changing. Mortgage rates are changing. Sometime by 2025 or the end of 2024, we will in all likelihood see lower rates than today. Uh, another reason probably not to panic when as, as your 2025-26 renewals comes approaching. But still, there will be no more 1.49, 1.49. 1.99, five-year fixed rate in the foreseeable future. So everyone who has a low rate today is going to pay more, plan accordingly, anticipate what's going to happen, and please, please shop. When the time comes for renewal to come up, please shop. It's often not a big savings. Sometimes it's only a quarter percent, but there is no there is no advantage to giving the bank more money. There is the, your comfort with your home bank does not mean that you should hand them an extra two thousand dollars a year in mortgage interest. I mean, there's there's no rationality to that. And finally, in some cases, depending on the quirks of the banking world at the time, sometimes it's half a percent. Sometimes it's three quarters of a percent. So as that renewal approaches, please. One thing Canadians are bad at is shopping for financial services. I think you're very aware of that in your business. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> so, horror stories. You know all about it. So please, please, people, as the renewal approaches, 90 days prior to the renewal, please shop. It's going to save you some money. Yeah. And it is, I will say it is amusing. I have seen people like, you know what? It's already at the current bank. It's just easier if I keep it there. It's like, this is the same bank that you complain about charging you $5 a month in bank fees yet you're not worried about the $2,000 a year in interest payments. So I know people don't think dealing with a bunch of, with many banks is, uh, is, is easy. And you know what? I deal with a bunch of banks and it can be a pain in the butt, but I'm not, I'm not here for them, right? I'm here for me. So anyway, uh, where can people find you, Ron, if they want to reach out? Butlermortgage.ca. Excellent. Easy, and, and just Google Butler Mortgage. Uh, it, it'll come, if you're in Canada, it'll come up quick. Absolutely. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you again. Enjoyed it. Take care. That was Ron Butler of Butler Mortgages. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you are up for renewal anytime soon, I hope you take Ron's words to heed and also do it. And again, I'll plug the planning side of this plan for success. Reach out to an advisor, get things basically organized beforehand because 
if you're in a really, a really in a tight spot, it's only gonna make it worse. Well, let's, uh, let's get ready for that and give, hopefully get you some breathing. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever is it your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 